premonitions and some thoughts and ideas on the gospel over the last several weeks and um, don't know how all that's going to work out, but um, maybe this is kind of a kickstart to a little bit of these messages that I've been thinking about and about the gospel and preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, getting the gospel out there. And I want to encourage you this afternoon that um, if you're going to share the gospel, um, you're going to have some, there'll be some foes, there'll be some enemies, there'll be some people that don't really want you to do that. And um, there's some friends of the gospel too, some people that love the gospel. And then there's others too that are, and then there's the face of the gospel. We say, uh, he's the face of the business, you know. And what do we mean by that? It means he's the, he's the one everybody looks at. And who's the face of the gospel? It's Jesus. He's the one that we put the attention to. The gospel isn't tied up in a preacher or in Paul the apostle or Peter. And uh, I think those two men were uh, shining examples of how they did not want um, the ministry to be about them. They wanted it to be about Christ. They were always pushing the spotlight back over to Jesus. Even when Paul and Barnabas were in a city and they were uh, declared to be gods, Mercurius and Jupiter, um, they said, no, we're not gods. There's only one God uh, to serve, and that's Jesus Christ the Lord. Serve Him and serve none other. But nonetheless, we're in 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 1. We'll read down to verse number 6 today. The Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We have, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the word of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, that means the direct image, that means the stamped perfection perfect image of the Lord. It is not that He is uh, like an image or He is like God. No, He is God, uh, is the idea there. Should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. These are beautiful verses right here that show to us and illustrate to us really what Paul is doing. If you'll go back one chapter, two chapters to chapter number two, um, and uh, verse number 12. Chapter two, verse number 12. The Bible says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me of the Lord. From chapter two, verse number 12, to the end of chapter number six, Paul is dealing with, a, with the subject of sharing the gospel. That is, that is the subject matter. Um, he is talking about telling others about Jesus Christ. And in this passage, we're drawing it out here, kind of in the middle of his speech about the gospel. Underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he has paused here to let us know the importance of teaching what he is going to later call the ministration of life. The ministration of life. Or as we call it in our modern terms, evangelism. Evangelism. 
ambassadors for Christ. It's hard for me to believe, and this is no fault on my school or anything. I'm not talking about my school. I appreciate the years of learning, but uh, it's hard for me to believe that I spent five years in school and we never went through First and Second Corinthians. Uh, these are so key and crucial books for the ministry and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is it? What's it compared to? Who are our enemies? There's lots of questions to be answered. We won't be able to talk about all of them today. Um, but as I said, we'll see the face. The face of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't know anything else about sharing the gospel, then just remember this. We're all sinners. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. That's the gospel, folks. Now, of course, we understand that we need to believe that Jesus is, Jesus is God. Amen. And we don't put away the virgin birth. And we don't, you know, say that Jesus wasn't a man or he wasn't God. He was both. We believe that he is the perfect God-man. Uh, we, we don't get into maybe all the, the, the theological jargon and everything. But the gospel is plain and simple. It's that... Christ died for our sins on the cross. He was buried and He rose again the third day. It's that simple. That simple. We see here in our text, though, that He outlines for us some enemies. And if you're going to share the gospel at work, at home, or at school, you're going to find that there's a few people that are just not going to appreciate it as much as you do. And you've got to be ready for that. You've got to be prepared for that. Not everybody's going to be as happy as you are about the gospel. And Jesus and Paul and the scriptures warn us about that. And that's what he's trying to get at here, some of it, in these first chapters of chapter number 4. It could be that in some ways that this particular passage is a little bit uh, relatable to what Jesus had already preached in Mark chapter number 4 about the sower and the reapers and the, how Jesus points out in that parable of the sower that there's the deceitfulness of riches, there's the deceitfulness of the cares of the world, there's tribulation and persecution and distress. Those are just to name a few things that can stop the message from sinking down into a soul and bearing a uh, hundred fruit or sixty or some thirty. And Jesus points that out to us, and we've got to be careful with that. Understand that, uh, that there are some times you're going to give the gospel out, and it's like a bird is going to come along and pick up that seed and carry it somewhere else. That bird is a representation of the devil. In that passage right there. That the devil, whenever sometimes the gospel is sown, the devil comes along and immediately plucks the gospel seed out of somebody's heart and mind and takes it somewhere else and puts it off somewhere else. That's what the devil's doing. He's, he's, in, the, he's, in, the, he's in the business of hindering the gospel. So don't just understand we're in a spiritual battle here, folks. It's a spiritual warfare. 
But there's also other things that hinder the gospel that Jesus says. Persecution. There's some people that get saved, or they claim to get saved, or they say they're a Christian. Maybe they were never saved, but they grew up in a Christian family, or they were baptized, or something like that, but they never truly accepted Christ as Lord and Savior themselves. They just, they just their mom and dad went to church, so that means they're a Christian, they think. And so what happens is that persecution comes, and they leave, because it's too hard. Or bad times come, and they were in a church that taught that God doesn't bring bad times to Christians. You know, there's churches that teach that. There's some churches that say that, well, you're in a bad way. You're, you've got a real bad sickness. You just need to have more faith. That's false teaching. If bad times did not come to Christians, then why did Jesus die? Isn't he the ultimate example for of Christians? Why were, the, why were the apostles persecuted? Why did Stephen get martyred? So there's going to be persecutions. There's going to be tribulations. Sometimes uh, people that claim to be Christians or professors of Christians, they'll get lured away with riches. Riches will kind of get them and say, and they'll kind of get, they'll get off track by that. So those are things to watch for that Jesus tells us about in Mark 4. But in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, G- Paul gives us a totally different, some other, diff- other things here to be careful of. I would tell you this, first of all, that in Paul's writing here, he is teaching us not so much who are the enemies of whenever the gospel is sown, but he's talking about who are those enemies of preventing the gospel from being sown. Actually hindering, if you will, the farmer from actually getting up and getting out there. What hinders a farmer from going to work in the morning? I don't know. It could be a number of things. could get the flu, you know. What are some things that hinder us from, and I wish I would have done this, but if I had one, I'd give you one. I'd, I'd show it to Alex. But uh, there's some gospel tracts back there. What, what hinders me uh, from, from handing, uh, or Alex, from handing me a gospel tract and telling me about the Lord? What hinders me from that? Well, the first hindrance that Paul points out to us is verse number one. The first hindrance of people not sharing the gospel is ourselves. I am my biggest hindrance. He says, he says, we have, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Or, excuse me, let me go back a bit. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. What ministry? Sharing the gospel. That's the ministry he's talking about. He's saying, we have a ministry. Now, we faint not. We faint not. Paul tells us over in another epistle in Galatians, he says this. He says that we shall reap if we what? Faint not. Don't give up. Don't give up preaching the gospel. Paul had a man in his gospel group. His name was Demas. And Demas left the preaching of the gospel, forsook the ministry for the world. He went after the world. Now, I am under the belief, just like many of you are, that God doesn't need me. Okay? God's a big God. Amen? He doesn't need me. All right? 
If you ever hear a preacher say, well, you know, and I've heard, man, the arrogance of some preachers. Well, if it weren't for me, man, whoa, whoa, you know, watch. You might want to leave out. There might be straight lightning bolts coming down, you know what I mean? Because if it wasn't for me, or y'all need me, or God needs me, man, that's blasphemous speech right there. Uh, God doesn't need me. But that being said, is that each one of us that are connected in the ministry of the gospel and sharing the gospel and telling others about the gospel is that when one of us leaves that ministry, there is a broken link in the chain. Paul had a group of guys, he had a group of gospel givers, and when one of them left, that that meant that others had to pick up the slack. He was doing a job that he was assigned to, whatever it was. He was ministering to X, Y, and Z churches, and that was his ministry, but he now is gone. Or maybe he was the treasurer. I don't know what Demas' role was in the gospel givers, but I'll say this, is that he had a role, and when he left that role, it hurt the, other, it hurt the rest of the team. We're, we're working in this thing together. I'm not the only one giving the gospel. At least I hope I'm not. This church, is a, this church, if you want to, is, if you want to look at it this way, is, is, a, is a team effort. So you see, you can reach people at your work I'll never see. That I'll never see. I know Zach shares the gospel, so I don't mind using him for an example. But he's going to get on an airplane, and he's going to fly halfway across the United States somewhere with a guy that I'll never see in my whole entire life and he's going to share, he might share the gospel with him. Might get a chance that door is going to open. That guy doesn't live in Austin. That guy doesn't live anywhere close to here. But you see, he's a link, and you're a link, and I'm a link, and we're all a link in this, in this, in this thing we call, the, we call the ministry of the Jesus Christ, the ministry of the gospel. And whenever one of us falls out, then the gospel ministry is going to suffer. Another way in which the gospel suffers or that's foes is with ourselves, he says it right there. In verse 2, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. And sadly, there are some pastors and preachers and gospel givers that do that. You know, I, I know of one church in particular that uh, goes out and tries to tell people about Jesus Christ, and, uh, and they're, they're very zealous about it, you know. And they'll have 215 people saved every single week. You know, and I'm wondering where are the 215? Where's where's one person at that got saved last week? And their ministry, their their mode of telling people is they just say believe in Jesus Christ and let me say a prayer with you. They don't tell them about their sin because they don't believe in repentance. And they just try to go around from door to door and get somebody to say a prayer with you. Listen, Catholics do that every single, every single Sunday. It's not about just saying a prayer. It's about admitting you're a sinner, believing that, repenting of your sin, believing upon Christ, and then calling upon Him to save you. Now, are some of those people saved? Maybe they are. But we've got to be careful. We don't want, we're not just in it for numbers, amen? We're not just in it for numbers. 
And then there's some out there that willfully try to uh, distort the gospel. And they'll just they'll they'll say things like, Well, I know that you don't quite believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, but that's okay. That's not the gospel. Amen. I mean, if somebody says that that's the gospel, they're false. There's foes in the gospel. One of the ones that we've got to be careful of is ourselves. We're not trying to use enticement. We're not trying to use dishonesty. We're not trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes to try to trick them into believing the gospel. And then there's this other type of preaching that says, well, if you want to be happy, if you want to change your marriage, if you want, you know, a BMW and a two-car garage, then believe the gospel. And God will just make your life wonderful. I got a friend of mine that preaches and he's a, he's a missionary in South Africa. And he's been persecuted for the gospel. He's had his house broken. His wife was almost raped for the gospel. A buddy of him, they were traveling and they were preaching the gospel and they, uh, they got, they, this maybe not was the smartest thing to do, but they, they said there was no crocodiles in the river and they swam across the river to get to the other side and one of his friends got bit by a, croco- got bit by a crocodile and almost died. I mean, this is like David Livingston stuff here, you know what I mean? Like crazy stuff here, you know? Uh, and then he gets in his car after church on Sunday night and hears a commotion, drives to the middle of town and here's a guy dressed in a white suit with a gold-plated BMW on the stage, and people are just flocking to him by the thousands. And he's got a little flock that he's been ministering to for the last 15 years. And people are just flocking to him because he's telling them, hey, if you'll believe in Jesus, he'll cure you of AIDS. You just got to give a little bit more. That's craftiness. That's deceitfulness. And there's people like that all over the place. You've got to watch out. And then he says there's the lost. Now, sadly, the lost are an enemy to the gospel to their own detriment, and I believe even somewhat not by their own doing. Because they are influenced by somebody else, and obviously not by God, but by the devil. He says in verse 3, he said, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In fact, Paul, on occasion, mentions uh, a man named Alexander, the coppersmith, Hymenius, and Philetus, all people that had become enemies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, he tells Timothy, watch out for those guys. Be careful when, you, when, you're, in the, when, when you're in Ephesus because they are dangerous and they will try to hurt you. The lost, are, though, don't realize it, but when they fight against the gospel, they're not fighting the preachers of the gospel. They're actually fighting themselves. Isn't that sad to think about? They're they're not hurting me. They're hurting themselves. 
because they're not allowing for the Word of God to sink down into their ears and be save them from their sins. They're rejecting the good news even at their own free will. And they are the ones to whom the gospel is hid. And so you're going to, you should expect that if you do share the gospel, I, I don't want you to be scared to share the gospel, but I want you to be prepared that if you do and when you do and you should do share the gospel, that there'll be people that will mock you or scorn you. Or as I said earlier, they're not going to be as happy as you are about the situation. You know, if you receive the gospel in a country, uh, if you're a Palestinian and you believe in the gospel, you know what your family does to you, don't you? They disown you and you're dead to them. Sometimes people will even get killed. We're not under the eighth that maybe somewhat, but some of you might be. I'm very fortunate. I have parents that were, that were saved, that are saved, and they're Christians. But not, of, not all of you are like that. And they're going to reject you for that. All my friends from, from high school rejected me. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a single friend because I believed the gospel. I believe the gospel. It's been a refreshing. I've had a couple of friends call me that have seen me on Facebook and have said, man, I, I didn't know that you had become a Christian. I'm a Christian too. And I just wanted to encourage you. I'm, I'm really proud of you. I'm, I'm happy to see what you're doing. That's been encouraging. But I can tell you that's been a very small minority out of the people that I've known. And then the final enemy of the gospel is the devil. And he calls him, not the devil in this passage, but in verse number four, he calls him the God of this world. Hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel who is in the image of God should shine unto them. You and I that are saved need to understand that the reason we were lost for as long as we were, or the reason too that that we were held and we couldn't see the gospel as clearly as we wanted to see it is because there was a God of this world blinding our eyes. And that is the devil. He's blinding their eyes. And we're up against him to fight him. The devil, Satan is what I've called him. He is the great distractor. I can't tell you how many times, and Alex would testify too, and any of you that have shared the gospel know this also, but I can't tell you how many times that I've went and I've given somebody the gospel at their house, and just about the clinching moment when they're starting to really listen, the dog starts going nutso, or the baby starts crying, or supper is finally ready, and they have to leave. The devil is the great distractor. He doesn't want you to share the gospel. He doesn't want you to tell people about the Lord. I wish I was as bold as a friend of mine that one time uh, he was sharing the gospel with his dad. <laughs> 
and his stepmom came in and started distracting her. Finally, he called her by name and he said, he said, he just looked at her and said, would you please go out? You're being used as a pawn of Satan to distract my father from hearing the gospel. Would you leave now? <laughs> I don't have that much boldness, but, but he did. And he led his dad to Christ that day. I mean, I just, but the devil is a distractor. Listen, you're going to be frustrated and sharing the gospel if you don't get that down. He's going to distract. He is also the great procrastinator. I can't tell you another thing that I've heard so many times. You share the gospel with somebody, and they really are under conviction of the Spirit of God. You can see it in their eyes, or maybe even a tear in their, coming down out of their eye, because they know what you're saying is true. And they say, I'll do it later. Just, just not right now. Oh, those words, how they hurt my heart when I hear that. Felix said to Paul, he said, I'll call for you at a convenient season. When things are a little bit more convenient. Or some people will say to you, I just really got to get some things right in my life first. But they don't understand that you can't get anything right until you get the first step right. And that's Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's once He is placed as Lord and Savior and believed upon, then the chips can start to fall in line. Repentance is not preaching, get rid of your cigarettes and your alcohol and your pornography and your, and your bad language and your, and your wrong. It's not, that's not, it's not saying, no, get rid of all that stuff first and then come back to me later on and talk to me about getting saved. That's not repentance, my friend. That's a false preaching of repentance. You can't get rid of enough sin to get right with God, all right? That's why you're coming to Jesus. Because you can't get rid of your sin. You've realized, and your repentance is this, I'm going the wrong way. I'm going away from God. And I want to go towards God and believe in Him that He can help me in my sin. The devil will try to get you afraid He'll try to stop you. He's the great thief. He steals away the good word and replaces it with toys and trinkets. And he'll try to stop you from sharing the gospel with other people. He'll intimidate you. He'll try to put you up against somebody that's more educated than you. That will say things like, well, I just don't believe that. Or they'll say things, never be intimidated by somebody that says, I don't believe the Bible. I used to be intimidated by that. Don't be intimidated by that. The Word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It goes all the way down into the joints and marrows. Use the Word of God. Use the Word of God. You say, what do I use? How about this verse? Try it on for size. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that He gave His only begotten Son, 
I knew a guy once that led somebody to Christ, and he, his first person he ever led to Christ, he said, I didn't know any Bible. He said, but all I knew was John 3.16. He said, I couldn't even quote it, but I really didn't even know where it was at, he said. I had to go up to the, con- the, 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 the beginning of the Bible and find it, you know, in that little table of contents. And, and you know what? That's good. He went to the table of contents and he found John and he went over to three and he found 16 and he, he said, I really wasn't even that good of a reader. He said, and I gave the Bible to the guy and I said, did you read this out loud for me? I knew of a lady one time that, uh, that uh, had bad eyesight and so she would carry around a gospel track and she said, you know, uh, somebody gave this to me and I can't read it too well. Would you mind reading it out loud for me? And they would read it, and she would explain it to them. I'm just saying that, folks, is that the devil's going to try to intimidate you any way possible to try to not share the gospel with Jesus Christ. Well, I don't believe that, all right? What would you do if a blind man tried to argue with you about the brightness of the sun? Would you go, yeah, maybe he's right. Maybe it's really not that bright. Hmm. I need to go home and think about this one. You wouldn't do that. Why would we do that with anybody else that says, I don't believe the gospel? If they don't believe the gospel, you know what you do? You share the gospel with them. Because that's the only thing that's going to light their eyes up and deliver them from the darkness that the God of this world has blinded them in. It's the gospel. We can be a foe. The lost can be an enemy. But also the devil is an enemy. Don't get discouraged in sharing the gospel. Share the gospel. We've been given this ministry.